Welcome everyone to Chat with Sandy and Karen. I'm Karen Jackson and my partner in crime is Sandy Bansell. <laughs> and our guest today is Mika Wagstaff. I am so excited. I, uh, she's from, this is kind of a semi-reunion. I have my, my, uh, um, sweet, sweatshirt on. That's where we all met. So welcome, Miko, and uh, what would you like to chat about today? Um, well, I wanted to, I guess, just kind of start chatting about, uh, instructional coaching specifically with um, ed tech and just how important that is in these times and just in general. Right. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm glad uh, that we're going to talk about that because, you know, one, one week we're remote and one week we're face to face and socially distanced and one week we're halfway hybrid and and uh, you know it's changing so fast and so often. Um, just the world is is uh, is crazy. Yes. <laughs> but now you're in. Uh, yeah, Sunday. I mean it is. Say again, Sandy. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. I was going to say now you're in the sunny part of the USA. Yes, yes. On the East Coast, um, the weather is, you know, not that bad. Um, but, you know, the weather still affects us down here. So um, I know just this um, past week, a lot of the schools actually had to go remote because of the weather like that was coming in. So like, you know, Karen said, you know, one day you're face to face, the other day you're remote and, you know, everything just keeps going back and forth. So it's a really challenging time for teachers right now. What's uh, Sweden? What's happening in Sweden now? Um, um, I don't know. The usual. <laughs> any no snowpocalypse or any uh, terrible events or tsunamis or anything? No, we went uh, walking on the lakes. Mm. That was fun. Um, oh so we had what minus fifteen a week ago, and now we're on plus two or three now. That's in Celsius. Oh wow! So, uh, so yeah, oh. the snow is melting. Thank God. Um, Looks like you have sun. Yeah. So, Mika, yeah. with me and Karen, when we started this, it was dark. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it was dark, and now we're gonna we're gonna probably have margaritas in a month or so. <laughs> hey, nice. you can invite me back for that. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. I'm actually looking forward to the warmer weather. It's been so challenging, you know, with it being cold. We all have to be stuck inside, so it's definitely going to be nice to have some warmer weather, and you know, feel like. You know, we, we have a life again. Right, yeah. right. Well, but before we get into the uh, ed tech coaching, I uh, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, uh, your history and education. You know, what, what, what have you been doing and what, do you, what are you thinking? Okay. 
Awesome. Well, you know, just to reintroduce myself, my name is Miko Wagstaff, and um, I have been in education since uh, 2003. I actually came out of um, the private sector. I was actually an engineer prior to coming into education. So that was um, an interesting transition, but actually an easy transition because since I was an engineer, I already had like a math and science background. So it was kind of um, easy to transition um, into education. So I actually started out as a seventh grade math teacher in middle school. So that was um, very, very interesting um, because I had not been in the classroom um, you know, since I had graduated. And so was, I'm thinking back to like my first day and it was just, I don't know, it was very surreal to just, you know, be back in the classroom, but from a different, you know, perspective. And I had um, really no experience teaching. <laughs> so it was uh, very interesting to just kind of be thrown in. It was definitely trial by fire. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think back to the first group of students and, you know, um, I did the best that I could, but, you know, hindsight being 2020, um, um, I hope they're doing okay now. <laughs> exactly. I'm hoping and praying for my first students too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was, that was uh, definitely very interesting, but, you know, I, I definitely fell in love with it instantly. Um, just bringing in, you know, all of my experience from engineering and just thinking how important math was, you know, for me to become an engineer. And, you know, also thinking about how um, when I was an engineer, the lack of um, females and minorities um, that are engineers. So in the back of my mind, I always thought, you know, if I could, you know, reach more girls, you know, reach more minorities that hopefully, you know, I can, you know, kind of instill in them the love for math so that they would maybe later on, you know, decide to go into, you know, what we now call the STEM fields. Yeah. So, I, you know, that was really kind of like my, you know, hidden mission, you know, as an educator. Because <laughs> I know how alone I felt um, when I was in engineering, you know, lots of times I was a, do a double minority. I was the only female and also, you know, the only minority. So. I definitely felt like, you know, I needed to see, you know, more female faces, you know, more brown faces, you know, out there in the engineering field. So that was definitely, like I said, like a hidden mission, uh, you know, for me when I was, um, you know, teaching math. Um, but just moving along, um, about six years ago, um, I attended a technology conference in Austin. Um, Karen, you may be well familiar with that one, uh, which is TCA. And I was um, just so amazed by the fact that they were encouraging the use of technology in the classroom and, you know, giving all of these strategies and tools that you could use and bring in the classroom. And I knew as a math teacher, it would be difficult but I also felt like it was something that um, that I could do. So um, I just, you know, I think I was like a kid in a candy store, just soaking it all in, just trying to, you know, gather as much 
um, information and knowledge as I could um, at that technology conference. And so when I got back to school, I was just, you know, ready to hit the ground running. And so immediately I started, you know, training other teachers on all of the tools that I had learned, you know, when I was at the conference. And that actually turned into then me coaching other teachers on campus, um, especially like the math teachers and how to, you know, effectively use technology in the classroom. And that was like a huge turning point for me. And that, you know, really has led me to kind of where I'm at today. Um, so currently I work um, at Kennesaw State University in Kennesaw, Georgia, um, in the iTeach department. And our goal is to, um, assist districts, you know, big or small, it really doesn't matter the size, and even, you know, districts outside of the state of Georgia, just to help them um, with personalized learning strategies so that we can um, engage the students so that we can improve student success. And, you know, with COVID, you know, kind of in the era of COVID, that you know, goal has definitely increased even further because, you know, once teachers were thrusted into remote learning and really had been forced to use the technology, the need for coaching just became that much greater. And so I love that, you know, I was already in the role where I could, you know, service and support teachers, you know, as they're going through, you know, this new challenge and you know, trying to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to do this? The traditional ways aren't necessarily going to work, especially if I need to be face-to-face. -face. So um, that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, and then just on a personal note, um, I have one son um, and he's a ballet dancer with Richmond Ballet. And we are extremely proud of him right now because, you know, the arts are actually being hit very hard um, with the pandemic because a lot, you know, their whole um, model is face-to-face -face live performances. And so they're having to adjust and figure out, you know, how they're going to move forward in this new era where you can't pack, you know, a theater with people. So, um, again, very proud of myself, you know, persevering, you know, in his passion and what he's wanted to do pretty much all his life. Um, I'm also, um, you know, married to my husband. We've been married, you know, over 25 years. Um, mm -hmm. We travel now because of the remote situation. It has afforded me um, the opportunity to be able to travel and to still be able to, um, you know, work and coach teachers remote. Um, one of the side projects or, you know, passion projects, side hustle, if you will, um, that we have is we actually have a YouTube channel um, that's called Wonder Open Roads. And it's our travel vlog where we, you know, like to, you know, showcase, you know, things that you can do to get out, you know, in nature, we do campground reviews, state park reviews, and we also have a motorcycle. So we um, vlog our motorcycle rides. So that has actually been like a fun thing that my husband and I get to do together. So we're actually, you know, really enjoying sharing our travel journey with everybody on YouTube. So that's been pretty awesome. Wow, reliving the, uh, the old days. 
That's we need cool. my cook out of the house. <laughs> yes. How fun is that? Yeah, I, I just uh, yes. I just subscribed. Everyone, make sure you subscribe to Wander Open Roads on uh, the YouTube uh, channel. Uh, great little clips that I was I was checking out earlier. Looks like fun and reviews, and you do reviews of um, things, and we got to see a little tour of your camper or your uh, motorhome. Pretty cool. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Great. So, I'm going to have to ask, what's your favorite part of the USA? You, you don't have to say Texas. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my favorite part is honestly like the North Georgia, um, South kind of North Carolina area with all of the mountains. Um, I just love all the trees and um especially riding like through the mountains, camping in the mountains, waking up to the fresh air. I think that's my favorite part. I mean, I think the beach would probably be a close second. So then I would say Florida, but I do love the East Coast, but I'm really looking forward to going out West. Um, I think we're going to do that next year and just, you know, checking out that part of the country. Oh man, that's great. So do you, okay. So you're working from, home your mobile home <laughs> yes. Yes. um how do you how do you stay connected because i imagine that is a high priority and where you, you plan to be at certain times is you have to be connected to do your job yes and i mean it's been um you know it's taken a lot of research i watch a lot of youtube videos from other nomads working nomads of how to stay connected on the road and um, one strategy that my husband and I have figured out is we use our hotspots on our phones a lot. Mm -hmm. And that helps us to, you know, be able to connect. And so we do have like a two carrier home. So like we have Verizon and AT&T. And so depending on where we are, one will be better than the other. And so that helps us to be able to, you know, connect. Um, you know, so that I can work because I still have to, you know, be able to yeah. support my teachers. But it's been a lot um, easier than I thought it would be because at the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, we sheltered in place just like everybody else. Um, and work was, you know, really, really busy. I mean, I at the beginning of the pandemic, it was one meeting after another after another because the teachers needed so much support basically all at once. So it was, you know, a challenge. It was, you know, a lot of missed lunches, you know, a lot of, you know, staying up at night, preparing, finding resources for teachers. So, you know, it, it was a lot. But, you know, as things kind of opened up, we also realized that, you know, we I could do this from the road. So we did, you know, decide to kind of throw in some travel and, it's been fine, you know, I'm able to, you know, get on my Teams meets and my Google meets and, you know, mm. coach my teachers. And I'm also, um, because I have a lot of teachers that um, they teach all remote classes. And so I'm able to still engage with students because I can co-teach, you know, with that teacher and still be able to have that connection with students. So it's actually been, you know, really great. Um, I, you know, kind of hate how the situation happened where teachers were forced, you know, to be, to have to, you know, use, um, 
to go remote and be able to teach that way. But, you know, it provided, you know, me an opportunity to really kind of jump in there and really support, kind of, you know, show what I know. So it really propelled um, what I was, you know, what our department was trying to do anyway, which was really get teachers to that point. So, I mean, it's, it's been really great. And, um, you know, I, um, I use a lot of email to reach out to my teachers. So I'm constantly, um, you know, reaching out to teachers, just seeing how they're doing, because, you know, I'm sure, you know, this is a time where a lot of people can struggle alone and I don't want anyone to do that. So Mm -hmm. I make sure that I'm reaching out, you know, how are you doing? You know, what's going on? What's new? You know, what challenges are you facing right now? Let's see if we can find some strategies that can help alleviate that. So I do a lot of co-planning with teachers as well to just kind of help, you know, get them through. And, you know, I find that, you know, they just appreciate someone checking in on them. You know, sometimes even if they don't need the help, they just appreciate someone checking in on them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I think that connection is what the hardest part of all this shelter in place is that people are are lacking that connection, but Mm -hmm. it's good that your, your group was laying the groundwork for a couple of years before they actually needed it full time. So, so that's really wonderful. That's, that's a lot of research ahead of time and uh, planning content and uh, stuff like that. That's awesome. Yes. Yes. So we were, like I said, we were definitely ready to go even, you know, before schools um, started shutting down, we were providing resources um, in preparation for that because a lot of the schools um, in the area that we were supporting had about a week before, you know, they went full remote. And so we had that time to spend with them in their, you know, PLCs, getting them resources, getting them prepared so that they had something to start with and then supporting them like along the way. Awesome. Have you been able to, this is, this is kind of off the, off the track, but uh, yesterday might have been day before Google had their learning with Google announcement about moving from G Suite for education to uh, Google Workspace for education. Lots of changes. Um, are you taking the time to sift through that? Or are you kind of waiting till it falls out or is it not really going to change too much? Um, or how is that going to affect y'all? Well, for me, I have not um, really dug into it as much. Um, a lot of the schools that I support are actually Microsoft. So, you know, of course it doesn't, you know, a lot of places are one or the other. They're either Google or they're Microsoft. There's, you know, very few places that are trying to use both. And so with that, um, my, you know, main priority in keeping, you know, on top of things is with Microsoft. So I do a lot of Microsoft trainings. Um, Mm -hmm. I recently became an MIEE. And so we have like um, monthly meetings where we get together to kind of stay on top of things. So I'm, I'm a little more involved in that, although I do still do a lot of Google training. So I can't just, you know, totally leave it to the side, but it's, you know, I have to juggle both, honestly. So it is something that, you know, I definitely plan to get into and, you know, make sure, um, you know, up on things, 
But, you know, right now, you know, my focus is, you know, making sure that, you know, the teachers that I support who are using Microsoft, you know, have, you know, the necessary strategies using that tool because that's a tool that they they have to use. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you got to use the tools that you're provided. Well, you know, whatever it is. And I am a firm believer in that one, too. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, I love Google and Google is my go to tool. But, you know, I can't I can't go against, you know, what a district sure. is saying that they're going to use. So, you know, I just I have to do both. I have to do both. <laughs> I have got a question, something you said about earlier. So you obviously you studied to become an engineer. Mm -hmm. um, so when you were becoming an engineer, why did you not think about becoming a an educator, and when you did become an educator, why did you change profession? <laughs> um, believe it or not, um, it's kind of crazy. Education actually was my first profession of choice. So as a kid, I actually wanted to be a teacher. Um, teachers really do make such an impact on students that, you know, they, they may never be told that, but I just know from personal experience that the impression that the teachers left on me was so great that at that time, sixth, seventh grade, I knew then that I was going to be a math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was just something that I always wanted to do. But as I, you know, continued through my secondary um, education, um, I always gravitate gravitated towards math and science. Those were definitely my strong suits. But um, I was told, I won't necessarily say by who, but um, that I probably should not be an educator mm. because of my personality, because I, I have a very meek and mild personality. I was told that I should not be an educator. Wow. And unfortunately, <laughs> I actually took that to heart. And so in high school, I decided that I would pursue another profession. And that profession became engineering because I still love math and science. So it was kind yeah. of natural for me. And I had a teacher who basically helped me through that, who basically encouraged me. She was, a, you know, actually now that I think about it, she was a teacher who also encouraged minorities and females to go into engineering. And maybe I got it from her. I don't know. But um, now that I think about it, um, I was actually encouraged, you know, as a female and as a minority to go into engineering. And that's what I did. So I went into engineering. I worked um, as an engineer for maybe 12 years. And, you know, as I stated earlier, it, it was actually pretty lonely. I mean, I can remember I worked in the automotive industry. So, you know, it was kind of, you know, that's definitely kind of a man's world. Hell, yeah. um, and I worked um, in manufacturing. And I can remember late nights being in a Ford plant in Michigan and being the only female in the building. <laughs> and it's actually pretty scary. I mean, I literally remember being in um, the Mustang plant in Dearborn. And just walking through there, you know, it's kind of dark, you know, it to me, just the memory, it was just kind of eerie. Um, 
but you know, I, I felt like there has to be representation here. I have to be here. So I, you know, I persevered, I moved on, I did my job and I tried to represent, you know, females and minorities, you know, the best that I could so that, yeah. you know, people, other people would see, you know, that, you know, all engineers don't have to be men. So, um, right, right. so, you know, I did that. And I, I, again, I, um, I love, you know, being an engineer, but the longing to be an educator was actually still there. It was, it was always still there. Cause even as an engineer, I find myself um, doing a lot of trainings, <laughs> training adults, but still training, still teaching, right. um, teaching math. In fact, because I was a quality engineer and one of the strategies that you use as a quality engineer is um, this uh, process called statistical process control. And so that's basically just teaching math. <laughs> so I taught math, you know, as an engineer. Um, but after my son um, entered into school, that really was kind of the turning point. I really had more of a desire to know what was going on in the school system, being there for him, um, being on the same schedule um, and things of that nature. So um, my husband and I both engineers. So it's kind of challenging to have two, you know, engineers and the parent were both traveling. You know, you have to consider those type of things. And, you know, when your children start, you know, to be school age, you, you sometimes you just have to make the difficult decisions. And so we, you know, we made that decision that one of us had to, you know, kind of get out of engineering. And since I always wanted to be a teacher, I thought, man, this could be the opportunity for me to do what I always wanted to do. And that's what I did. Um, I just went through like a certification program. I already had the background, so it wasn't a matter of the knowledge. It was just a matter of the pedagogy and getting those skills to be able to go into the classroom. And so I, you know, took that opportunity and just kind of never looked back. Wow. So awesome. it, was really, it was really the best decision for our family, but it was also fulfilling that dream that I wanted to be a math teacher. Yeah. Inspiring. So we're yeah. in the month of, of March, where is, we're going to be promoting uh, STEM for girls. And I mean, us three are examples uh, to inspire others. Um, so what kind of message would you give to our young listeners? about going into STEM? To be brave, to go for it. Because mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was kind of told, you know, just those STEM fields that, you know, when I looked at it, it I didn't see myself in it. But mm -hmm. you have to start somewhere. You know, we can't let that be the barrier. And now there are so many more resources out there now for girls to go into STEM fields that, I mean, why not, you know, take advantage of it. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, an awesome field, especially when you love the math and sciences, it's, you know, a great outlet. Um, I mean, I, I loved it and I, you know, I kind of miss it, but I also felt like I needed to be in the position to get more people there. 
Yeah. yeah, but I feel like there's still the fear in girls that they don't. So we need to push them. Yes. yes. We need all models. They like, need to be pushed. Karen and out there. Yes, push. They need encouragement as well. Um because the more, you know, we see other females in the field, in those STEM fields, that's going to encourage, you know, others. But you also have to kind of put yourself out there as well. Let people know what you're doing. So, you know, putting the things that you're doing out on social media is also important because that's where our young people are. So once they see, you know, others out there via social media, then there's they think, oh, OK, it is possible. And I mean, I feel like we're living, you know, in the age of possibilities, you know, because, right. you know, we're we're breaking down major barriers. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, you had to you learned so much being an engineer and going through and uh, following that. I mean, because that's not a, that's not an easy bunch of coursework. My daughter started going into engineering. And uh, she was one of two out of a hundred in the program. She was she and one other female. Um, but the what what is so cool about what you've done is that you went through and you had your engineering career, and it changed you and made you more of probably made you more of a go getter. It made you set a goal, realize your realize that goal, and then go with what you were passionate about all along and it you know that changed you and helped develop you into a better teacher so i just think i think that's i'm so happy you shared that with us because uh, we we tend to lose girls about middle school mm -hmm. in math and science and just the general stem fields and so um you're you're such a great role model nico thank you and honestly i think that's maybe why I picked middle school, because I knew that that was that time when we would start to lose girls um, in, in the math and the sciences. And honestly, that's like the only age range that you know I've ever really wanted to teach um, because of that. And um, I also, you know, as a math teacher, wanted to make sure that I was in schools where I could have like the most impact as well. So, you know, I made sure that, you know, I went to schools that, you know, had a population, you know, all schools going to have, you know, a population for boys and girls, but I also made yeah. sure that I went to schools that had minorities because I feel like they needed to hear that firsthand message. Hey, I was an engineer. Don't think, just because you are where you are, your socioeconomic situation, that you can't make it to be an engineer, that you can't go to college. I'm here to tell you that you actually can. I, you know, I went back, like the schools that I service now that I support are the actual community that I grew up in. Oh, that's so, awesome. Like, I could have been your neighbor, you know, your parents could have been my neighbor. So I'm here to tell you that it can be done. I'm living proof. I mean, I, I'm, i you know, supporting the same school district that I grew up in. <laughs> That's so cool. And, you know, I gravitate to, you know, really supporting like the math teachers um, because I have, you know, the background knowledge 
and, you know, helping um, like one of the teachers that I support is like a um, technology teacher. So, you know, she's basically kind of in with the STEM. And so I'm like, that's like a perfect thing for me because it's like, you know, helping with STEM curriculum, but then also technology as well, because they, you know, obviously go hand in hand. So I feel like, you know, I'm just looking back, you know, kind of full circle. I'm definitely where I need to be, you know, making the impact that I need to make. <laughs> That's so great. That's so glad. Thank you for coming on today. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Sandy, do you have any other questions? Well, you well, taught middle school for a while or Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not me. I'm sorry. Middle school's not the high school. <laughs> yeah, I mean middle school is a challenge, but um and I think you can make an impact at every level, but I think just that middle school group is such a pivotal moment, especially when yeah. you're trying to, you know, really shape the path of students. And when you're trying to, I won't necessarily say recruit, but you're almost trying to recruit, you know, students for those STEM fields. That's yeah. the time to do it. That is the time to do it because you can really give them the exposure, you know, that they need, you know, I remember, you know, bringing in other engineering friends and, you know, having them speak to the students because I actually was like, you know, um, when you have clubs in school, you know, I was always the one that wanted to do the STEM club, you know, <laughs> so, cause I feel like, Hey, I was there. I really know, you know, that environment. And, you know, that was the time where I think the students eyes really get open to the possibilities of you know going into a STEM field, it's it's that middle those middle school students that really get that exposure, um, you know, and when you can really take like those field trips to those STEM yeah. facilities. I remember taking a group of students on a field trip and just seeing their eyes and just they were so amazed by everything and. You know, and then just a reflection afterwards, it's like, okay, yes, I now know what I want to do. I'm going to, you know, go into engineering. It's like, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's so true because yep. middle school, I taught, I taught middle school English, which is like, everyone hates it, but you do have a chance to show them what they can do. And they're just, they're just young enough to try something new. And they're just old enough to actually make a difference, you know, to to try a big project or a huge something and take it on. And and I think middle schoolers are are it's kind of terrifying, but it, they're kind of seeing what's possible. And uh, so I think that's that's also what we have to nurture in them. Yes, exactly. Because I mean, I think back to when I just really finally decided, okay, what I want to do for my life, it was sixth and seventh grade. Yeah. So, you know, it's still that middle school group that you, you know, you have to reach. I know, you know, when you tell people, oh, I'm a middle school teacher, they're like, oh, God bless you. <laughs> and they, I totally understand, but that means that you really have to be that much more passionate, you know, that much more targeted, 
you know, that much more encouraging, you know, for those students, because, you know, that's, that's the time, that's the time when you can really make that major impact. Exactly. So, okay, now moving on forward, Miko. So you've got, uh, you're doing uh, coaching, coaching yeah. to teachers. Um, okay, so how does it work? Okay, so um, I work. Um, I work with a group of coaches, um, and we are basically kind of assigned to projects. And so, um, depending on the project, most of the time is with like a district. Um, again, it could be large or small. You know, sometimes we do um, work with the state um, Department of Education as well. But for the project that I'm currently working on. Um, that district, you know, has partnered with our um, department to have a coach on like every campus. And mm -hmm. so as an embedded coach is basically what we're called. We work with, you know, the teachers like specifically on that campus. And so it's, you know, checking in with the teachers, like generally at the beginning of the year, I, you know, I don't want to just throw out trainings, you know, here, here you go. Let's learn this. Let's learn that. I actually like to kind of get a feel for, you know, what is it that teachers want? You know, maybe they heard about something or maybe there's something, some specific goals that they have that they need that this particular tool would help them with. So I try to, you know, gauge and, and um, do surveys basically to kind of see, okay, what is it that you need? And then from that, I have enough information that I know who needs what, and then I can kind of plan out basically my year based off of that. Um, and so I'm contacting teachers basically throughout the year. Hey, you know, let me hear a little bit more about your vision or your goals for your students. You know, what is it that you're trying to do? And then from there, we start, you know, talking about, okay, what kind of strategies can we put in place to kind of help you get there? So it's a series of meetings, and then that turns into co-planning. And then co-planning, we're planning out the lessons, you know, using those strategies, using the tools after I've, you know, kind of trained the teacher on how to use the tool that's going to help to um, help to implement that strategy to get us to that goal. And then that turns into co-teaching. You know, maybe I have to model first how it's done and then the teacher watches and then I watch the teacher do it with their students. So, you know, it's it's a very, you know, kind of intimate process. You know, I'm really partnering with that teacher. You know, we're working together. It's not me just kind of telling them what to do. It's us. OK, you know, well, what do you think we should do next? And, you know, how should we pivot, you know, based on what we've just done? So it's a lot of reflecting, you know, after we've you know, implement a strategy, looked at the data, you know, how is it working? You know, do we need to move forward? Do we need to go back? You know, just a lot of, you know, communication between me, you know, and that teacher. And then I start, you know, kind of that cycle over again with like their next goal or the next teacher. And so I'm basically there, you know, kind of the whole way, you know, every day I'm there, you know, but I also let teachers know, you know, if, you run into a problem, you know, you're having some type of issue. Hey, you know, just give me a call real quick. So there's a lot of, you know, flexibility in that as well. Just, you know, 
knowing in the back of their mind, hey, if, you know, I can be brave, I can step out there, I can get out of my comfort zone a little bit, you know, with these strategies and the technology, because I know, hey, if I need some assistance, I need some support, oh, Miss Wagstaff is going to be there and she's going to come in and she's going to help support me and get me to a point where I feel very comfortable you know, being able to use this strategy and this tool. So it's a lot of, you know, building the capacity and then at the end saying, hey, well, you know, now that you know all of these things, how would you feel about helping someone else, you know, and then, you know, building their capacity even further because now they're helping someone else. Yeah. How can others get involved in this? Great. So um, we do have a website. Um, it's iteach.kennesaw.edu. And on that website, we share resources and strategies, you know, really for anybody. They don't necessarily have to partner with us. We just make sure that we provide those resources and strategies for all teachers, for all educators. Um, and on that website, we also do have um, a chat Um, window. So like if someone had a question right then and there, they can actually get on that chat. And we have coaches that, you know, are monitoring that chat like all the time. So if it was like a district that needed to, that wanted to partner with us, they can contact contact us through that chat. Or if it was just a teacher, individual teacher that needed some support, again, they could contact us um, through that chat. We also are on social media, you know, like everybody else, and we provide our resources and strategies on there as well. Um, Like every month, for example, we have um, Twitter chats where we're trying to engage with the community and just kind of, you know, trying to have that conversation around personalized learning and strategies and tools. So like our theme um, for this month is around literacy, like we love literacy. So how can we, you know, improve our, you know, literacy strategies in education? You know, what type of strategies are we using? What type of tools are we using? So like those types of things. So like March, um, a lot of schools are getting ready for their state testing. So we'll be starting to have conversations around celebrating the successes of students that they've had, you know, up to this point during this year. And then, you know, what types of strategies do we want to use in review, getting them ready for, you know, the testing that they will have coming up. So on social media, we're on all the social platforms. It's just at um, KSU iTeach. So um, our website is iteach.kennesaw.edu. And then on social, it's just at KSU iTeach. Nice. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. And then I also put the link to the Wander Open Roads. Oh, nice, nice. And then if people want to, you know, engage with me on social media, I'm just at Miko Wagstaff, you know, on social media. So. (laughs) <laughs> yes, um, I'm so so happy you came on um, to talk to us about important things. One of the things that brought Sandy and I together in discussion is girls in STEM and uh, trying to encourage them and keep them. Um, and we had, we had a group of the three of us who did a a, a TED talk on. Um, it wasn't accepted, but. <laughs> it was called Girls like Can. It. 
And uh, okay. so it was it was a great time to do some research and to uh, discuss the challenges. And um, I'm so, so happy that you're here to bring that up again. And uh, we're going to feature you in March. Well, I really appreciate that. I mean, the work that you're doing, the message that you're getting out, it, it is really important, um, especially to, you know, keep the movement going, you know, with women getting more, you know, girls into those STEM fields. It, it is really very important. Representation is important. Yes, absolutely. Subscribe me, Co. Pass it on yes. to your family. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm very jealous. I saw that you have 2,000 followers plus on your YouTube channel, but uh, we're not quite up to that level yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> yes, we, we're definitely trying to um, to grow our channel. And one cool thing that we actually have go coming up here pretty soon next month, actually, is um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Campgrounds of America, KOA. KOA, yeah, yeah. KOA campgrounds where well, they are actually sponsoring a trip for us um, where they are um, going to be following us on one of our journeys. Oh, so uh, yes. We're doing a lighthouse tour up the East coast um, oh. starting um, at Cape Canaveral and kind of going up the East coast. We're visiting, um, I think like 10 lighthouses and KOA is coming along with us on that journey, we're going to be staying at KOAs like the whole time. So I am so oh, excited. Uh, and we're going to obviously feature it on Wonder Open Roads. Chat with Candy and Karen. You've got to get us. That's right. <laughs> Keep us posted. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. I've got an official closing. Unless there's something else that you, you wanted to say that we missed. Um, that KOA opportunity sounds fabulous. Is there anything you want to add, Miko? Again, I just wanted to thank you ladies for having me on today. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. This was so much fun. And it, it, like you said before, it's like a mini reunion. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again for taking your time to chat with Sandy and me. Uh, we're very honored that uh, you've shared your experiences with us and uh, we appreciate your efforts uh, on the behalf of girls and STEM and teachers and just people, humans everywhere. Um, thank you to all the listeners out there too. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at chat with SK1. Um, it's chat WSK1. Uh, find us and subscribe to our channel on Spotify, Google, and Apple and to hear more about what is going on in education on both sides of the pond. So there we have it. I think that's a wrap. Thank you again, Miko. You're the greatest. And Sandy, you're the greatest. <laughs> and see you all later next time. Yeah, wait. Okay.